How many people here have, have been, I've talked to a couple people here actually, uh, have invested in IPOs? Uh, and at the offering price, right? Okay, anybody uh, invested in IPOs on the open market? That you don't because of. I mean, I've tried. You've tried, but. Sure. They don't execute. Sure. Yeah, the reason is um, first day, there's so much volatility that all the market orders need to execute, and then the limit orders go through, and I. I learned that my first trade. Um, I bought CBSMarketWatch.com at $17 a share. And uh, at, I went out to lunch. I came back from lunch and, and found out that it, hit, it had hit a high of 130. <laughs> so I put in my limit order to sell um, a little bit above and then um, a little bit above where it was at because I thought it was going to come up and it didn't. So I tried to put a stop limit down, didn't execute. And ended up executing at the close. So that's where I learned you need to sell it. If you're going to sell on the first day, you need to sell it at market. Um, I got a, like 97 and a half, which that's a pretty good trade, uh, 494% or something. Um, so those are, those are the kind of returns you can make. Um, that's not real common. If you get it at the offering price, you'll, that's like, that's the jackpot. That's, it's kind of ironic that we're in Vegas. That's, you catch those. And, 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 you know, th those are the good rewards. Um, not, all, not all IPOs do that, but a lot of IPOs return over 100%. As a matter of fact, we're going to get some graphs, um, some performance charts, because so, I think if you understand how IPOs perform on the market, um, you'll be a little bit more comfortable and more knowledgeable, and you'll make better, safer trades if you're, if you're going to get involved in IPOs. Um, I don't know if you guys want any more information about my background. I've been doing this um, two years now. Um, tw not 24 hours a day, 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it is truly an obsession, and it has been for two years. And uh, and uh, hopefully, I'm I'm pretty confident here you're going to be able to get some kind of information that'll that'll help you if you decide to um, invest in IPOs. And even if you don't decide to invest in IPOs, I think some of the information that you can learn here today, and or in looking at IPOs and and kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in the IPO market will spill in over into your other investment areas, helping you make good decisions. If you're strictly strictly technical and you make, in all your trades, you never make a decision, all your decisions are strictly numbers and, and graphs and these kind of things. I don't know if any of you, how many of you when you make a trade say, well, what is this business? And you know, like even know what the company is all about, you know, what product they make maybe, or what business they're in. How many people even even look at that at all? A lot of people do. I, from what I've seen, um, I've seen some, some speakers here today, and and uh, and and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a name here, the David Kwong guy. Um, I think he, to me he's a, a perfect blend of technical analysis and gut feel, which comes from a good foundation, uh, a good fundamental business knowledge of what these companies are all about. You notice when he talked about Handspring, he talked about, oh yeah, that's a company that was, uh, the CEO of that company was a founder of Palm, and oh yeah, their connectivity, you know, you could plug in phones, and he knew what the company was all about. And uh, so when he says, I, and when he, when he made a comment, you know, I would die to own that stock at that price. You know, he, he knows something about the stock, 
you know, why would you die to own it at that price? Well, you know, how that business, how that company relates to the business. How are all the other competitors performing? You know, this is $20. All the competitors are at $100 a share, and they have the same kind of revenues. They got the same kind of growth outlook. So I think a, a good fundamental understanding of these companies um, will help help you in your daily investing decisions. Personal opinion, a, a blend of technical and good fundamental. And when you're studying IPOs, there's no there's no charts to look at because they've never traded before. So how do you how do you know if it's a good a investing decision or not? You have to fall back on business fundamentals. And so um, I don't want to get on a I'm getting on a soapbox, but. All right, so let's get started. Let's, uh, let's go to the next one here. Okay, so why are we here? We covered that. Uh, what we're going to focus on is, is getting IPOs at the offering price. Typically, IPOs um, were reserved for really wealthy individu uh, individuals and uh, institutional investors. If you're a person with $2,000 in a little account somewhere, you're not going to get IPO shares. That's no longer true. It's not easy to get shares, but you can get them. Um, when I started out, I started with $2,200 in an online account. And of course, my first trade was CBS Market Watch. So by the end of the first day, I had $10,000 in that account. And then I bought IPO after IPO. And of course, the, the account got really large. So you can grow the money real quickly. Now, the more individual investors that come into the game that are trying to get shares, it just gets harder and harder. If you're the first person to open an, uh, an account at a, play, at a bank that's offering IPO shares, you're going to get a lot because you're the first one there, right? But as more and more investors come in to the, to the bank, they only have so many shares to divvy up among everybody. So as more investors come to the IPO um, investing market, it can get harder and harder. But by the same token, new banks are always coming, uh, you know, being born. And, and new banks are offering IPOs. So knowing which banks will give uh, individual investor shares is a key to success because if you find out about that bank before anybody else and you open an account there, you're ahead of everybody else. You know, you're you're going to have a much better chance of getting shares. So that's just kind of one strategy. We're going to talk about all different strategies to help you um, increase your odds of getting IPOs. Um, we're going to focus on getting them at the offering price. I'm going to at the end. I'm going to talk about IPO performance um, because there's good opportunities even if you don't get them at the offering price. Once they get on the open market, sure, they're highly volatile, but there's times in certain market conditions where IPOs aren't real volatile. IPOs come out and they don't do very much, and those may be good times to look at those stocks and buying them on the open market. May or may not be. Um, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit because we're, we're kind of in a down market right now, and personally, I, I, like, I like down markets because if I don't get them at the offering price, I can go out there and buy them on the open market all day you know, for, for days at a time. Then when the market picks back up, if it's, a, if it's a good quality company, that company that should have came out and moonshotted a lot of times will go. When the, net, when the market picks up, those will be the first ones to take off. So there's some good opportunities. Um, but we're going to focus on the offering price. I'm going to give you all the tools and resources you need. Uh, I'll hopefully give you all the tools and resources you need. I'm not going um, to give you a specific stocks that I uh, like and don't like. and I'm not a certified broker, so I can't give you advice. Um, I can just tell you what I, what I do and what I look at and how I've had success. Uh, I had that we're not going to focus on aftermarket trading, but I am going to, I'm going to go through that a little bit. And this is not really complex. I'm going to keep it simple. Um, so let's start out. It's all about making money. 
And uh, this is a this is a chart. These are the first five of the top ten IPO gainers of all time. I mentioned I bought freemarkets.com. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was talking about CBS Market Watch. That's on the next graph. But uh, I know a lot of people that did get uh, free markets at 48. You can see the first day it closed at 280. That was one of the IPOs that one of the banks was carrying that as an individual investor you could get. Uh, I'm not going to harp too much on this because obviously you're here because you know the kind of returns that IPOs can make. Um, so go ahead to the next one. Oh, you can't go. You can't go back. Okay. Uh, for the longest time, until VA Linux came out, which is on the top, the longest time the Globe was the number one IPO, first day gain of all time. Priced at nine, jumped to to 63.5. Uh, this is they measure the highest first day gains based on the close. And so, obviously, um, as a as an investor, there's a lot more opportunity. You know, it may have gone up to 100. I, I don't recall on that stock, but this is just uh, for simplicity. Sure. What did Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't recall. I think, I think it was, I think it was fairly close to there, and I think it shut up as high as 280, and I think it came back down. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. That is a stock, unfortunately, that was really hard to get. But um, the reason I wanted to talk about the Globe is I think it's trading at like two dollars a share right now. So you, understanding how IPOs perform in the aftermarket is uh, pretty crucial. <laughs> okay, sure. Go to the next one. Uh, is it, I thought it was under a dollar. Okay, 97 cents is where it's at now. I'm glad someone's fallen. CBS Market Watch, that was, uh, that was one we got. Um, you might have heard of Sycamore. Network's number nine. Um, asked you, so, okay. Good. But you, all those were, no, you, all those, those were just the top 10, you know, 360%. That's ridiculous. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Those, uh, they call them moonshots. Th those don't come all the time. Those are just the dramatic ones. But, um, but you may get one of those. And it's certainly realistic. You have to be in the game a while, and you'll eventually come across one of those. But I want you to see this performance chart. The number of IPOs um, that doubled the first day. One out of four in 1999, and almost one out of four, or cl or close to one out of five, between one and five. One and five in the year 2000. I mean, 22%, 25% doubled on the first day. So go to the next chart. Um, this is the average return between 1977 and 1999, 415 offerings. The average first day gain was 17.4%. So the point I want to make here is when IPOs come to market, the under, um, I'm going to have to get into the basics first, but they're typically underpriced to provide incentive for investors to get involved. And so you typically see an opening day gain, but you can make that in one day if you get them at the offering price. Um, and that's the average. Uh, the best year was last year, 68.7%. For a long time this year, a lot of people think have said, well, the IPO market was really hot last year. This year it's not so hot. That's not true. Uh, for the year 2000, it was pretty close to 65% or 60. It was really close to there. Um, now, just not any Joe.com company can come out, so they can say, yeah, the, the IPO market's tough, but yeah, I think it's you know, higher quality companies. I think it's a good thing. And the worst year was 1988 with uh, 9.5%. So still, the average was 10% gain the first day. Okay, so just kind of a performance summary. Large first day gain, a lot of companies double. Um, average is, on average, you get a pretty good return. 
And I, um, my opinion, I don't think these returns that, that you see in IPOs are, are very normal. I think they're pretty, pretty astounding. Um, why this is a good opportunity, I think, is uh, one, because of the performance. Two, because uh, IPOs are still very much unknown. For the longest time, forever, up until 1997, 96 or 97, individual investors could not get access to IPOs. So if you can't get access, you know, year after year after year, eventually, you know, why even talk about them? People don't talk about them. They're just the whole knowledge of IPOs, what they even are. There's just a whole population of people that don't know what IPOs are. Now, you're, you're active in, in investing, so consider yourselves on the leading edge of, of even understanding what an IPO is all about. Um, and, and when you're on the leading edge of those kinds of things, there's, there's, room, for, um, there's room for profit. So, goal this session, um, I want to make sure that you have a good basic understanding of IPOs and how they all kind of come about. Does everybody pretty much know how an IPO starts, why, why, why an IPO comes about, the, the different players that are involved? Okay, if so, I'll zip through that. Does anybody not have a good understanding of that? Okay, I'll, I'll go through it. I'm just going to kind of let me know if I'm going too fast and I say something you don't get. Um, but I want to I show you ways to maximize the number of shares that you can get right now. And then, if you, and then the second thing I want to do is if you can't get the shares, I want to show you some things that you can do um, maybe uh, to profit in IPOs in the aftermarket. I'm just going to touch on it a little bit. Okay, so introduction, IPO base. Let's let's go through the next thing. Um, there's a if there's any terms that I something I say that you don't understand it, I have a, re, a glossary you can refer to. Okay. But if I totally lose, you just stop me. Um, go to the next one. Okay, new issue. Um, company. I, I do want to talk about this because this is important. A, a, a new issue is a, when a company starts trading on the public for the first time. Now, what happens is these fast-growing companies need cash so they can expand. They have a good business, they're growing. So the whole point of doing an IPO is to raise money so they could you know, expand, either build other manufacturing facilities or build out a, an internet business, whatever. But the whole point from the start, and this is an important point, is they're raising money for the company. It's not so that investors like you and I can profit. That's not the point of it. The point is to raise money for the company. So they sell ownership to raise cash. This is, we call this capital formation process. And the way they do this is a company needs cash. They go to a bank and say, I need to raise money. So the bank's job is to help them raise money. They're, the bank that they go to is called the lead underwriter. And their responsibility is to sell the shares to the public. Now, what technically happens is they buy the shares and they sell them. They buy it at one price and sell them to the public. There's a called the gross spread. So they're, 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 that's kind of how they make their money. Um, but they do that, and then they enlist the help of other underwriting firms, other banks, and they're known as co-managers. Um, they're they're the, the main ones that they enlist the help of. There's usually anywhere from two to four, and those are the co-managers. They get the bulk of the shares, and then there's a list of a slew of others. And go to the next slide. Um, this, is, this is called the tombstone. When an, when an IPO occurs, you'll see an ad taken on the Wall Street Journal, basically, and that's what this is one for Medscape. And the lead underwriter was Donaldson, Lufkin, Genrat, and then they had, there were four co-managers, Credit Suisse, Bear Stearns, Witt Capital, and DLJ Direct. And then all the other, this is 
kind of hard to see, but all the other syndicate members or underwriters involved in the deal are listed on the bottom. Okay, okay and I, I said right from the beginning, this is all about who makes the money. The company, the reason they're going public is to raise money for the company, but here's how it works. The prices are going to be sold at $14 a share. There's 3 million shares, so they're, they're going to raise, in the offering, they're going to raise $42 million. What happens is, is the underwriter gets a discount of 98 cents a share, and so they're getting 2.9 million, 2.94 million out of the deal, and and the actual money that's going to the company is 39 million sixty thousand dollars. So out of the 42 million, they're losing about three million, and that's that's what the under that's how the underwriter gets paid. Um, yeah, there's uh, I'm gonna sh sure I'm gonna get into the, the overlap. No, that's okay. Um, Bring me back there at the end if I don't get to it, okay? Uh, no, go forward. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about IPO distribution. Is that is that that's just kind of the basics? Is that okay so far, everybody? Okay. Um, traditionally, clientele was privileged, multi-million accounts, institutions. Okay, and what happens is is that. Um, the institutions and the high net worth investors get the stock at the offering price. Then you've got the investing public that want to own the shares. So that's what drives the price up on the opening day. That's why you have the opening pop. It's scarcity. It's simple supply and demand. Um, then you've got the entrance of the online banks coming into play. And this one guy gets the idea that he wants to start, through his bank, he wants to start giving IPO shares to Individuals and there's a. I'm not going to get into detail of that. It's a, it's a good story and I would normally go through it. But um, there's a book called WallStreet.com, written by Andrew Klein, and he talks about this whole IPO process and and why he started the first bank to offer IPOs to indiv individual investors and how that all came about. He actually had a, a brewery called Whitbeer. I don't know if you've heard of that, um, but he did a he did an IPO online for his beer company to raise money and the SEC called him one day and he said he said he knew he was onto something big when you get a call from the lawyers at the SEC. Um, so his whole idea was to democratize the, the allocation of IPO shares rather than give them to strictly the high net worth, you know, open it up and let the, the little guys in and level the playing field. And the, um, the way that he was going to do that was to use the internet for distribution. And if you could picture and that's why this whole IPO thing is coming about and why individual investors can get access to IPOs. Because in the past, if I'm an underwriter and I have to sell 10 million shares, that's a lot of phone calls if I'm selling 100 at a time. But if I could put up a web page and people can put in orders and it's all automated, well then you've got all these online, you've got all these people coming online and everybody can buy 100, but add it all up, they can buy millions. So now these, an online bank has buying power, which personally I don't have that kind of buying power, I'm sure you don't either. But institutions do, and so the internet has enabled individuals like you and I to get IPO shares at the offering price. So we could all thank the internet for the way they're changing the business. Um, so that kind of a summary of all this: the, the, techno, the technological revolution has created hundreds of new businesses that, that need to raise capital. They need to raise money. Um, the online banks provided the buying group, and it also provided the distribution. So it's, it created the means and the means, and that's the that's the basics. Does anybody have any questions before I move on and get into some of this? Okay, great.
right, this is the fun stuff. Where, where and how to research IPOs. Okay, the, there's, there's, there's four main places that we look at. There's really, there's four places, but there's one main place, and it's called the prospectus, which, who knows what the prospectus is? Does everybody know what the, okay, the next one. This is the document filed with the SEC. If you, has anyone ever looked at one, read through it? Big suckers. And that, that's, a, and that's a, I love talking about the way the internet impacts businesses. You can go online and just click to the piece you want to look at. I mean, before, if you wanted to research IPOs, as, in, as an individual, if you wanted to research an IPO, you had to go about getting a paper copy of the prospectus in the mail and then going through it. And so even from the underwriters that are underwriting the deal, the internet is helping them too because they don't have to mail out all these paper prospectuses. Uh, just another great uh, efficiency that can be gained um, distributing or doing IPOs. Uh, I, I did a hand flick. I didn't mean to. Yeah, you, no, you can go for it now. Okay, now I I had a thought. Um, I had an EF Hutton thought in the at, upstairs in the room last night when I was going to bed. What if? And I was gonna. What I was gonna do is I was gonna cover the perspective. I was just gonna go through the prospectus real quick. Um, but I know as as in. Uh, from a ba you know, so you can get a good basic understanding. But I know as investors, you want indicators, you want things that are signals to say this is a good IPO, this is a buy. So what I'm going to do is, is we, we look at we look at these things. But I'm going to go through. Our, we I have a list of criteria that we go that I go through personally. Like when I look at an IPO, that makes me say, do I want to buy this IPO or not? So I want to go over that list. And rather than go through the perspectives, I'm just going to show you the list and talk about. And then I'm going to show you a place online where you can look at the prospectus quickly and efficiently. So cut to the internet. Scroll down a teeny bit. Good, left. And then at the far side, that ratings criteria. OK. Um, by the way, our, I'm, I'm putting up our site because I use it for all the, when I go through things. But um, we're 100% free website. Uh, you can come look through all the material at the, at the site for free. So we're not. We're charging anything, so I'm not trying to sell anything here. I, if you do want to buy the book, of course we have a book out, but um, I'm not trying to sell it. Um, this is our criteria. Can everybody see that? Okay, it's kind of fuzzy, but when we look at to buy an IPO, these are the main things that we look at, and this is basically almost all this stuff is in the perspective. If it's not, I'll, I'll flag it. But the business in, in the industry is the first thing. Um, what is the business that they're in? You know, is this a big market? Is this is no, it's not because I, I had this thought last night. Now, sure, yes, it is. And uh, if you look at the um, at the in the notes there, and the part where I'm talking about the prospectus, yeah, when you're talking about the prospectus, it's in there. It's just probably in a different order, uh, right? Okay, where and how to research IPOs. See, I, I say front page and that, but if you look down, business is uh, one, two, three, four, the fifth dot down. So basically, this is going to mirror what I have in there, but it's just in a different order. Okay, and, and I have a few things in here that may not be in there. I just had this thought. So I wanted to make sure I provided you all the different things that we look at that would be an indicator for you whether this is a good company or not. Okay, this is all in the perspectives. If it's not, I'll let you know. 
Okay, so the business, uh, the industry, the number of shares being offered, um, and whether there are increases or decreases. And um, from our experience in looking at IPOs, when when there's a lot of shares, 20 million, 40 million, 60 million, um, that's not typically as good as if you've got an IPO with five or 10 million, especially when you get up in like the 50, 50 million, 60 million IPO, you know, shares of IPOs. 50 million shares of IPOs at price of $50 a share. That is a lot of capital that's being raised. And when you've got that much capital and that much money out there, it's probably, and I can't tell you the performance, but what I think is it's not gonna move, it's less likely to move. And I think if it prices high, which is, uh, out there. Anyway, um, if you've got a lot of shares and it prices high, you've got a lot of capital out there. And if, especially if it prices high, I think you get a, you have a greater downside. If it prices at $8 a share, okay, and there's 5 million shares, you know, it's a, it's a supply and demand thing. If there's less shares, there's scarcity. You know, not a lot of investors are going to get it. So I, that's not necessarily 100% true because a company like UPS that came public I think they had 50 million shares or something crazy like that. But that's a huge name, and there is going to be a lot of demand for a big brand name stock like that. But number of shares is certainly a factor. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's, the next one is down is the final issue price. Okay. So if it's priced. 50 bucks a share, I, I don't like those as much as I like the ones that price at 8 to 10. And then the, the fourth one down there, price range changes. When you see this IPO is going to price 16 to $18 is where it's supposed to price. And then the next two days you see it's going to price uh, 12 to 14. And then you see it's going to price 10 to 12. That is typically a really, really bad sign. Actually, you want to put a star, well, you don't have it in the book. Um, but that's, that's a main one. When you see price range revisions down, that's usually a really, really bad sign. Now, I said usually. So I'm going to show you some examples where you can discard that. Okay. The lead underwriter, this is another one you want to put a star by. Actually, the, all, all of these are really, really important. Any one of them can be a reason why an IPO comes out and just rockets. Okay. Um, the lead underwriter, uh, and I do have in your hands out there, if you go to the next section, I have a list of the top underwriters that we look at. I have top venture capital firms and top underwriters. You'll see Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, Credit Suisse. That, that list right there is what we would call the cream of the crop from an underwriter standpoint. When you're dealing in IPOs that have those as underwriters, it's a lot safer bet than if you're dealing with Joe Blow underwritingfirm.com or something like that. Um, the overall market condition, the um, IPOs tend to track the NASDAQ. So if the, if the NASDAQ market is taking a beating, IPOs are going to take a beating. If the, if the NASDAQ market is just rocking, the, the IPOs are, have a much, much greater chance of, of coming out and appreciating in price and value. Um, market cap. Uh, you know, how much money are they trying to raise? The, uh, the investors, oh, this is an, the, also in there, you've got the top underwriters, you have the top venture capital firms as well. 
and I, I took a few notes. I, I looked some stuff up real quick. Um, so you got Kleiner Perkins, you've got Excel, Benchmark, Draper Fisher, and Sequoia Capital. That first one on there, we love uh, Kleiner Perkins. Um, they were the VC uh, in Intel and Cisco system. They owned 20% uh, of the company prior to the IPO. I mean, look at the kind of deals they're underwriting. I think Kleiner, oh, I'm having a memory lapse. I think Kleiner Perkins did eBay, pretty sure. So the venture capital firms, this is all in the prospectus. Who, what's the money behind these companies before they come public? If you see one of these companies in this list, that's also a good sign, okay? Um, so that's one of the things we look at is the investors and the venture capital firms, and you've got a list you can look at there. Uh, the business model, how do they make money? Are they selling a product? Are they making money in advertising? Um, and then in addition to that, what kind of revenue do they have? How are, are they succeeding in making money? Are they, are they spending so much money that they're, even though they're making all kinds of revenue, they're still losing money? You know, it's, how, how often do you see an IPO that's coming public where the company is actually making money? It's pretty rare. It's getting less rare because, because people are starting to demand profits. Um, but when we see when we see an IPO uh, that's going to be coming out and the company is going to be making the, and they're making a profit, especially if they're making a profit and they're in a hot network or a hot uh, business like Exo Optical, Exo Optical, Electro Optical Engineering, they're a Canadian firm that did an IPO, and uh, they were in optical networking and they were making a profit and they came out at a great time and that that uh, it went from 26 to a lot of investors I know got out at 76. I think it, it peaked at 80. And I had a lot of investors that we work with uh, got that. And they're just individual investors as well. That got out. But that is the one that I personally got. <laughs> All my friends got that one, but I didn't get that one. Uh, and my family members as well, sure. Stay out of them if the market's not good. Um, not necessarily. And I'm going to, I will definitely get to that because that's, that's the market we're in right now. And I want to talk about what you can do. I think, actually, this is a gr personal opinion. I think this is, a, this is my favorite time in the IPO market because um, when, I, when IPOs come out in this kind of market, if they come out, they typically have to be, a, they, to even get out and go public, they typically have to be a pretty strong company. Then on top of that, to get them out, the underwriters have to slash the price and keep slashing and slashing it. So remember we said price range reductions aren't good? When price range reductions happen in a down market, sometimes that's not so bad because they have to do that to get them out. So price range reductions are bad, but in a down market when you see a price range revision, that's not necessarily bad because they gotta do something to get it out. And, and when the market picks back up, you've got, a great, you've got a great buy. You've got a great value for that stock that you bought. Well, you've got a great, value. I mean, when we talk about the value of these internet stocks, I don't know if we're always talking about this. Value five years ago is a lot different than value that we talk about now, sure. Do you keep checking with respect to like, the revisions like that? Um, I'll, I'll sh I'm going to show you, yeah, as soon as we get through these, I'm going to show you the, the place that I use personally um, to go for prospectus information and these updates. Okay, so we are at revenue, profit and loss. Absolutely, absolutely. When uh, if they're not making profits, we look at revenue growth from um, from quarter to quarter, and also this year versus last year. A lot of times, when we like a company, we'll see 
okay, they lost $2 million. They made 250000 all last year. And then we'll say, okay, they lost $2 million, but this year, in the first quarter, they made 250000 So they made in one quarter what they did all last year, and so they're on track to make a million where they had lost two last year. So we look at those kind of things. A lot of times it's more dramatic than that. A lot of times they have lost $10 million last year, and this year in the first quarter they've made... You know, or they've they've lost only a million or something something like that. So you'll see you'll see big swings where they went from losing twenty million to now they're almost getting profitable. So we definitely look at that's a good point. Um, the competitors and and I I think this is important. Um, we look at the competitors um, that are in the same business as them and where are those stocks trading at. It gives you an idea of where this stock has a potential to go to. Um, it's not necessarily apples and apples, but it's we we do it and it works. Um, management, uh, perfect example of this. I kind of brought this up already. The the founders of um, Palm started up the company Handspring. That's a great success story. There were a lot of other reasons why we liked that stock. We gave it a three in the short term and we gave it a four for the long term. We we we, we rate our IPOs on a basis of one to four, and I'm going to show you that. But we gave it the highest long-term rating we could. And uh, the, one of the main reasons was is that the founder of that company is the guy that started Palm. And if he's going to go off and start a new company that's better, the product is better than his old company, there's a, re, you know, there's a reason he's doing that. And there was, there was other revenue growth that we saw coming um, that weren't in their numbers. But some of the things that they were doing were going to be reflected in their numbers. So we knew long-term that this thing was going to be great. And so management is that would be a case where management was was 95% of our decision why we like that company well not 95 maybe 70% of the reason we like that company was management and the other 30% or 50-50 whatever the other 50% was the revenue that we saw and those are the only two things that we needed maybe besides the business that they were in the handheld devices and uh, everything else was kind of second to that I mean there's certain things that they can just trigger trigger these IPOs. Um, offering delays, when you see, offering delays or postponements, when you see an IPO that's supposed to come out this month, you find out it got postponed next week, and then you find out it postponed two weeks from now, that's a really bad sign. Um, Alta Vista tried to come out two years ago. I think it tried before that. It just tried this year. It's not coming, it's not coming out. Um, so I would stay away from companies that are postponed. A lot of companies are getting postponed. Delaying, yeah. And, and, you know, take, definitely take that as a sign. That's not a, that's not a positive sign for us. Um, the number of companies going public the same week. When you see 25 IPOs going public the same week, that's, gonna, that's a lot of money coming into the IPO market. And it's all got to go somewhere. And if you, especially if you have a big deal like UPS going down where it's going to suck up $2 billion in capital, all these other companies that are out there trying to get money you know, all the other money is going to be focused into these big ones. So these other companies may not do as well because there's so much money that's coming into the IPO market that if there's a lot of companies going public that same week, in the short term, these companies, the smaller companies, may not come out and do as well. And uh, last is historical data. That's just um, how companies have done in the past. And go to the next one. Uh, yes. Okay, so 
this is pretty much the same thing that we just talked about, just in a different order. You'll see business, uh, risk factors, use of proceeds. They're, what are they going to use the money for that they raise? Are they going to just pay off debt? If they're just going to pay off debt, that's not necessarily a good thing. If they're going to use the money to grow the business, to put into research and development, that's a good sign. If someone's just paying off a bad debt, that's not necessarily good. Um, one other thing here in the business, um, I did talk about customers and the products, competitors and price. I'm glad I, I'm going through this. Um, another thing that, that we like is when, uh, when a company's got a patent or intellectual property where when they come to the public, there's nobody in the market there that does what they do. So they basically have no competition. They've got some kind of intellectual property where they can quickly establish market share and be like the only player in the business for a long time. Those tend to do really well. And now this probably makes sense. We covered all this management, uh, principal stockholders, VC firms who invested in eBay, lockup expiration. Um, I'm going to go through that at the end, underwriting financial statements. Okay, you can go there. Okay, I was going to cover that later, but I'll cover that now. Um, the, um, the principal investors in the, in the stock, when can they sell their shares? And that's the lockup. That's the lockup. When that expires, if, if, if somebody owns 20% of the company and they could sell after 180 days and they dump all their stock, that's a lot of stock coming into the market and that thing could tank. So the lockup, the lockup expiration date is actually, if you're going to buy an IPO and hold it for the long term, you definitely want to look at the lockup date because you're going to come in one day and that thing is going to be a third of, of where it was and you're going to wonder why. Okay, now that's not necessarily true. Sometimes they may hold the stock, and if they do, it could go the other way. But it's just an important date to be aware of. You know, what you do, you, you can't predict what they're going to do, sell it or, or hold it. So you just need to make the decision. Am I going to, I'm going to sit there and watch it, and at any indication, I'm going to dump it if it looks like it's going to go down, or are you just going to hold it and ride it out if you think it's a good long term? What you do with it, um, go ahead, you were first. Is that, is that always six months? Or is it um, it's different times. It's uh, common, yes. Um, I don't have numbers, so I can't quote you. I'm sorry. Um, you've seen people talk about that or writing, yeah. Is that who is? Who'd you hear? Just okay. You had a question back there, sir. What percent would qualify them as a principal stockholder? Um, I don't know if they're. I don't know what the minimum percentage is. Uh, it's tip. They, I, we'll go. We'll go to a prospectus and we'll take a look at it. But it's typically. Um, I I've dealt in numbers. I've never looked at percentages, so I I can find out for you if you if you actually would like a percentage. Yeah, but there is a list of the principals in the prospectus. There's a list, and you could read which ones they are. Um, if you want me to find out for you, I can't find out. Um, it would be the CEO. It could be. It could be. Could be a venture capital firm which owns twenty percent of the company. Okay. It could be that the CEO didn't. You know, when the company's trying to raise money, maybe they didn't want to get venture capitalists involved. 
So the CEO kept all the shares for himself, and he put in his own money. So he's got 20% or 25%, and the vice president, to get this guy to come over to help me run the business, I had to give him 20% of the company. So a lot of times it's just upper management, but it can be venture capital firms. Yes. It, well, yeah. See, anybody that's but it could be a lot of yeah, it could be, and they and they list them all there. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're ready for the next one. Okay, we did that. Okay, so the prospectus is a is basically that is the source that we use for our research. We have really nothing else to go off of. Um, I'm going to jump to the internet now, and I want to show you where I get my prospectus information. To be fair, I do, I do look at the whole lengthy document a lot of times, um, but I do it online. But there's a great place. Uh, yeah, you can go there. And then let me type this in. I don't know if you've heard of this website. He just got, uh, he just sold ownership in his company to internet.com, but it was Osman's Alert IPO. He was the first, first or second, I, I know he was right in the beginning, he was doing IPOs when IPOs weren't cool. Uh, right when the SEC required um, filing into the database, the Edgar database, which holds the prospectuses, that's when he got involved right from the bat. So he's kind of one of the first people um, involved in um, prospectuses um, in databases and on the internet. Because these are paper documents, but companies have to file them now according to strict um, structure so that they go into a database. And that's called the Edgar database. Anyway, this guy, uh, Os uh, Corey Osman, has got this site here. And what you can do is, is up in this box right, this right here, there's all different kinds of ways to search. I'm going to do since we talked about this one, Handspring. And then you can, do, you can do this by the company name, or you can do underwriter. If you just want to say, I want to see all the deals that Goldman Sachs is going to be doing, you can type in Goldman Sachs, and then click underwriter, and you can bring up all those. Uh, this is a great search. You can also do the ticker, which is what I'm going to do. You can do all the, all the I, I had a call one day. Someone wanted to know. It was a Pennsylvania thing. They want to know all the IPOs that came out in Pennsylvania, how many internet companies. And, the, and he's got like seven or eight years of data in here now. So you just punch in Pennsylvania state of and had all the information right there. Um, just different things that you can do to pull up IPOs. I'm going to go by ticker symbol. And it'll bring up okay, Handspring. And then this is, I love this. If you want a shortcut to the prospectus, I love this tool. Right here, you've got the intro. Okay, and this has got the, the basic information. Okay, this is, the status is going to be, um, you know, right now, this is already trading, so the status is priced. It's got the revenue, you know, the, the latest revenue. Um, the net income, it's got the lead underwriter. This is kind of a summary of everything. And then at the bottom of the summary, you were asking, how do you know about price range revisions? Whenever there's some new news, it'll pop in here. Okay. Um, 
Company set its price at 19 to 22. Company, look at this, the company decreased its price from 19 to 22 to 17 to 19. We're talking about how a decrease in price in the price range is a bad sign. Not always true. In, in this case, obviously, it's trading at 71, I think, was the last. It did come out, though, at 20, and you could have bought it at 25 all week. So it says 71, I think. So, But anyway, if there's price range revisions, they'll pop in here. 